where I can relate to the most with weight loss clients is I've never really had to lose weight. Starting starting EP, I actually gained like 30, 35 pounds, so I, I did have to lose some weight there. But for the most part, I can empathize with people based on my journey as a businessman, like an entrepreneur. Yeah. Like I did and still do and struggle with uh, the quick fix stuff. Welcome to another episode of the Witch Life Podcast. My name is Landon. Today's sponsor is Il Primo Espresso Cafe. Il Primo is not only the oldest coffee shop in Wichita, but also one of our favorite coffee shops in town. Conveniently located at Central and Woodlawn, as well as downtown at the base floor of the Epic Center, Il Primo has a wide range of food and drink on their menu. Check out Il Primo today to get your coffee fix. Today's guest is my friend Cody Weber. Cody is a personal trainer and owner of Elevation Performance, a gym out in Andover. We talk about his journey from the West Coast to Iowa to corporate America and finally to opening his own gym. Cody is really honest with some of his past mistakes and it made for a really good conversation. Enjoy my conversation with Cody Weber. All right, so I'm here at Il Primo Espresso yeah. Cafe with Cody Weber. How you doing, man? Dude, I'm great. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad to have you. I'm glad we yeah. can finally make this work. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you, can you just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, okay. So I'm Cody, Cody Weber. Um, I grew up out in Washington State, so... Long Gosh, way from home. Yeah, yeah. So I, I originally grew up in Pullman, Washington, uh, hometown to Washington State University, so another WSU. Yep. And so grew up in a college town, kind of like a Manhattan, honestly. So yeah. they're like the agricultural state school. I didn't know that, stuff, okay. The veterinary state school. And um, long story short, I wanted to get out of town when I left high school. So I went off to Grinnell College. That's up in Iowa. Iowa. Literally like 1,500 kids at the whole school. What brought, you, what brought you there? I mean, what made so, you choose there? Yeah, great question. I thought I wanted to play two sports. thought I wanted to play baseball and football. Gotcha. Um, the academics, at the time when I went, I think it was a top 10 liberal arts school. You know how they do like the top USA, yeah, yeah. whatever. And so um, I think that meant a little bit of something to me. Plus, it was the farthest school. I mean, uh, every other school I was looking at, playing at, was either walking on or scholarship at like – Pacific Northwest. Yeah. And I just wanted to get away. Get away. So, yeah. yeah. So That's I did. Fair. And it was it was wild. But then after that, um, ended up somehow getting a, an interview. No, I got an interview through a friend of mine at Coke, Coke's Wine okay. Trading. Yeah, yeah. So that's in how Wichita. I ended up. Yes. So that's how I ended up in Wichita. I literally, the spring of my senior year, back in 13, came down here, uh, went through the interviews. Kind of funny. I didn't know a thing about commodities trading. Yeah. But not one thing. Like before the interview, I tried to study up on it because yeah. I was an econ major, um, but nothing specifically finance, nothing specifically commodities trading. Right. So get that job uh, just from, I guess, the way I interviewed. Yeah. And then came down here in 13 for that specifically. So jumped straight into the world of, I was just an entry level analyst. Yeah. So um, that was fun. But basically, more about me, I'm. You know, 29. I turned 30 this year, which is pretty wild. Uh, <laughs> I've got a wife. Um, we're going to be married this August. Will be six years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So super excited about that. Um, still owe her the five-year anniversary trip <laughs> that we're working on. So, and then we've got three beautiful children um, and one on the way. So yeah. Yeah. So keep got kids to keep them keep us busy. And then we also have 
uh, two foreign exchange students living with us. Do you really? So wow. yeah, where are they so from? Two two seventeen year old girls from Poland. Wow. Um, yeah, it's a trip. Did I, they know each other beforehand? I think they knew of each other. They weren't sisters or anything okay. like that, but they they knew of each other from like camps. Um, but yeah, so they're living with wow. us, and then my father in law lives with us as well. So. Okay. It's a party, man. Yeah, yeah between EP and all all the family, I kind of just got my head down and come up for air sometimes. That's it's cool. good. I That's love awesome. it. That's awesome. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Cool. So uh, in football, you stuck to college football. Yes. Um, yes. Yes. Were you always? I mean, obviously, pretty athletic. If you're trying to play two sports, but were you always like a gym rat? Were you always in the weight room? What did that look like? Yeah. Great question. So I I don't know if I was <laughs> okay. I guess I was. So. I, I, from a young age, probably middle school, I was always just begging my parents to take me before school to play basketball at the gym, you yeah. know, at, at school. Um, I was the kid who was always, and I think the best contrast I use is just like my brother, right? My brother and I both played sports. He was two years older than me, but um, I spent a lot more time just in the gym working on stuff like yeah. let's say basketball right just because basketball seems to be the it, it seemed to be the easier one to work on on my own sure just yeah. me in a hoop and shooting right um but as time went on like yeah I, I just i think i became obsessed with the whole lifting thing working out strength performance all that kind of thing sport performance at a young age i will say i'm i'm <sighs> I'm way more apt to work hard than work smart. And that's probably been over the last since, you know, I became obsessed with working out at like age 12 or 13. Like that's been the biggest thing is over the last 17 years is learning how to work smart versus hard. And honestly now applying that to everything I do, because I'm just, I'll run myself into the ground kind of in unhealthy ways. But, um, it's, that's probably been the biggest thing to learn. So, but I guess, yeah, in a way I've always, always been a gym rat in that sense. So, Cool. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned you had an interview in Wichita. So did you yeah. know it was your friend in Wichita or how did you, did you know yeah. anybody here? Yeah. Okay. So, um, I played ball with him at Grinnell, okay. uh, and shout out Brian Taylor jr. Um, so he got me the interview. And so when I came down here to Wichita though, um, I really just talk about how, yeah, I didn't know anybody. I knew Brian. Yeah. Um, I actually knew Marquise. So he's the owner of Omnicut oh, uh, Motivational yeah. Fitness because um, I played football with him Very at cool. Grinnell. Um, other than those two, it was just kind of wild. Like you get out of undergrad and didn't have any family here. Um, I always told myself I'd go back out west. And if I'm being honest, like I kind of felt like a sellout for even working for Coke because I was always like the guy who would say weird things like, I'd rather go work for the National Forest Service in the middle of nowhere before working for corporate America. Yeah. And uh, and, and then I ended are. up working at Coke. Right. I worked at Coke, you know, for maybe a year and a half or something like that. But that's what brought me here. And I think I got caught up in the, man, it's more money than I've ever seen in my life. Right. right? Just because I never made money. And right. then you have a salary coming from Coke. And uh, uh, professionally speaking, I knew it was a great opportunity. Yeah. I knew it was a great opportunity. So I really didn't feel like I could pass up, but it was kind of a disillusioning time in my life. Just sure. Not really knowing what to do next, yeah. I guess. Yeah. So I mean, not knowing what you wanted to do. Yeah. Even. Yeah. And then I, I was in Wichita, Kansas and all my yeah. high school friends were like, look, bro, the, the plan was for you to go to school and then come back right. <laughs> to Seattle and or all my other friends. Yeah. In Portland right. or the Northwest and, and I was just like, yeah, nope, I'm in Wichita. I'm here to stay. So, yeah. yeah. Awesome. That's, so that's kind of what brought me. Cool. But, and when did you and Jacqueline meet? We met within the first. So I got the job in August of 2013. We met a couple months after that. 
Um, we met at an FCA camp. So I was like a huddle leader. I started going to church. My boss invited me to church um, at City Life. Yeah. And that was when they were in the Orpheum. So right. we, I went, and within a week or two, uh, Kelly Thorne saw mm-hmm. my FCA lanyard because I'd been a huddle leader at different week-long camps for FCA before. Sure. And she was like, that's awesome. You've been a camp counselor. Like, you want to come out and be a huddle leader for the weekend. We, I go, and all I remember is, like, there's this, there's this lady – jumping around and screaming about jesus right it yeah. kind of freaked me out though because she was yeah. like it was you know the camp environment if you've ever been to those camps chants and you know all sorts of things that was a little different than i was used to and i just remember being kind of scared of her because she was just like <laughs> so hype i don't know what she, what did she call it hype for jesus so it was like it was pretty wild that's cool. yeah that's yeah. the first time i noticed her though hey so. that's a that's a pretty good story though that's yeah awesome. right <laughs> it's it's pretty funny um, so going back, so you worked at Coke for about a yeah. year and a half. Yeah. Then what? What made you want to change? So, what made you need to change? Yeah, great question. Um, it was one of those situations I felt like, and looking back now with, with being a little bit older, being yeah. 29, almost 30, and back at my, what was it, six years ago, five years ago, um, at my younger self, obviously I know that Coke has so many amazing opportunities. They've just got, like, of course, there are probably thousands of positions where I could have leveraged my strengths right. um, to be able to do an amazing job and just find fulfillment at Coke and right. just love what I did. But what I was currently doing, I was miserable. Sure. I think, I mean, you, you know the you know the game, two or three computer screens. You know, I felt like the only time I was talking to somebody, they were yelling at me, or I was talking to traders who were over in yeah. Switzerland. And they weren't very, I didn't think they were very nice. Uh, but it was like, you know, and you do that, 9, 10, 11, 12 hours a day, you know, and it's fine. I, I think the things I take from Coke is like I learned very quickly that I could work a lot harder than I thought I could. Right. I learned that I was babied in college, yeah. <laughs> that in undergrad, as hard as Grinnell was, it was like, no, 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 no. You know, you can work a little bit harder. You're a right. young man. You've got you've got some energy. You've got some focus. And like, yeah. let's go. It's time to go. Sure. So, so going into that, um, after that, I literally just – I basically jumped. I, one of my mentors told me he could get me an interview for an assistant store manager job at Best Buy. Okay. So, and that's actually Scott Meyer. So, yeah, yeah. so um, I went through that process, got the assistant store manager job, only spent six months at Best Buy. Okay. Um, before jumping out on my own. And so, just kind of fast forward to there, it literally was like, uh, I remember I was getting yelled at for not selling enough credit cards. And so, again, this was like, I worked at Best Buy during a time when I did. I owned a flip phone. I didn't own a TV. Like I was kind of weird, right? I mean, yeah. I, I Trying to sell was technology. not. Yeah, I was. I was selling seven thousand dollar home theater packages to people who I was like, you shouldn't be buying this. But here I am selling the TVs. Got yelled at by my district manager for not selling enough credit cards, and uh, just over it, right? Even right. just six months in, it was my first experience in sales. Uh, running a sales team, running the floor, I mean, and, and all of that. Of course, I'm super right. thankful again now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we were sitting in the waiting room, and we were gonna find out whether or not she was pregnant with Boaz, yeah. my oldest, who's right. four now. And we had talked about it off and on. Sometimes I forget to say that. I act like I just told her, "Hey, I'm giving my two weeks." But it was a mutual decision. She was like, "I'm, I'm down for whatever you end up deciding. You can have the final say." But if you want to jump, we can do this. Um, and so I just told her, yeah, I'm going to give my two weeks. So I gave my two weeks at that point in time, um, not exactly knowing what I was going to do. It wasn't like sure. I jumped saying, I'm going to be a personal trainer. Let's do this. Right. It was more like, 
I could either get a graveyard shift job at Dylan's, making eight bucks an hour, or I could hustle some clients and do something I know I'm really, really good at, which is people interaction and training yeah. and food. Like, I yeah. know that. And I know I could make, you know, 20, 25 bucks an hour doing that. So surely I could find a client or two. Um, and that's how that ultimately, that's how I got yeah. into the fitness industry full time. Wow. Because I've been doing it part time okay. for just uh, as a side gig for a long time. But full time, full time. That was when I made the jump. Was when yeah. we found out she was pregnant. So, so, so. how scary is that though? It starting yeah. a family and oh uh, yeah. As, but the, the funny thing is, is like that's not even like that's not even the scariest part of the last few years. It, it, I think it was at the time, and at the same time, um, gosh, I look back and like it's different. I just definitely wouldn't recommend anybody go the route I did. <laughs> I'm <laughs> well, like you learn lessons, like, and- right? Right. I mean, like I just I don't know. Maybe maybe it was how I thought I operated best. I I basically took the leaps before it was just it, see looking back. I'm like it was unwise. It was yeah. very unwise. I'm like I had a wife. I had, was going to have a new baby. You know, my first personal training paycheck, my two week paycheck was like two hundred and thirty two dollars. Um, you know, coming yeah. off of the Coke salary and the and the Best Buy salary, um, which was even better than Coke. And so, like, the scariness, I think, came from me, yeah, looking at her and being like, I'll, I'll figure this out or yeah. – and not really knowing how I was going to figure it out. Right. But um, kind of to, to move on from there, if I could. So I started out – Yeah, I keep going, per- yeah. I started out optimal performance. For sure. And um, – I don't think I still have properly thanked Landon Langston um, and his wife, Bethany, for all that they've done for me. I need to stop by and talk to him. But uh, just for putting up with my (laughs) – I I was a punk, man. I I still am a punk, I think, maybe. Uh, No, so he helped me so much. Yeah, Landon's awesome. Yeah, he's amazing. So I got to – be there like as an independent contractor, which means you own your own business, but you rent space from a gym. But he really treated me like he was uh, grooming me to work with him, and he was very gracious with me, and he really helped me build very quickly. Like my limited experience, even at Coke and Best Buy, okay, like mm-hmm. um, gave me a leg up on most trainers out there anyway, because sure. there is that personal training stereotype that they're not professional, that they right. don't show up, that they don't dress well, that they don't respond to an email, that they don't know how to, know how to respond they professionally. They know how to lift weights. Yeah. yeah, they just know how to lift weights and grunt and like look really sexy and stuff. Like, no, that's, you know, so um, I was able to, I guess, leverage the fact that I had some sort of professional yeah, experience. Definitely. And the fact that Landon was so gracious and so helpful and just – um, teaching me what really mattered when it came to training clients um, that I was able to grow really, really quickly. Um, and so that within six to seven months, uh, I had a full schedule, like yeah. training-wise, which means you're like 5 a.m. to 8 p.m. You maybe have an hour in the middle of the day. That's, you know, five days a week, and then you try to fill up your Saturdays and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, so I would I would definitely credit my start to him and Marquise as well. Like I shadowed Marquise quite a bit at the beginning mm-hmm. um, and got to know him um, even better in a professional sense. Um, but then he went off and started his own thing, so that's when I stayed at Optimal. Okay. Um, but anyway, yeah, so uh, that's kind of the beginning part. Wow, yeah. Um, yeah, of how we got started. Very cool. And I think that's around the time that I met you. I think I met you at uh... – one of the Young Life banquets, I think. So I think so. I think so that's I think where I Lance, first, first I th- met yeah, you. I think yeah. Lance invited me yeah. to the Young Life dinner or something, and then maybe you were there. I think that's where we at the same table. Yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah, where yeah. I first met you. Okay, cool. Um, so, yeah, so that's where I kind of stepped in. Um, 
And then but, you, I think you even came for a workout one time. Didn't you and your yeah, wife come yeah, for yeah. a workout one time? Yeah, we were members at Optimal for a little while. Oh, okay, so, yeah, okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because we moved in 2016 and then came back. And I think yeah, then it kind of, everything yeah, starts it. connecting. Okay. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so then how long were you there? And then what, what was the driver for a change from there? Yeah, then? so the driver was um, me. Um, so about the time when I got full of clients was when we had our baby. Yeah. And for anybody who has kids, um, and you're about to experience this, yep. <laughs> the first kid is, um, the way, the way we like to put it is the first kid, it was like nothing changed about my life, but everything changed about Jacqueline's life, breastfeeding yeah. up all night, all that yeah. kind of stuff. But I was still trying to work. Um, once the second kid came, then my world kind of got rocked because I was hanging out with the first one all the right. time and that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. But, um, that being said, um, I was not very helpful at home, uh, for the first three months i was just yo i'm still gone 4 30 a.m right you know maybe come home for 30 minutes in the middle of the day right. but like you can't do that to a brand new mom right. and so i literally had it's it's funny but not funny looking back like you know it was one of those things where i i was blessed to have the type of community at river at river community church mm -hmm. just up the street from here and our bible study we the men sat me down and we're like hey wow. look man yeah look Look, look at your that. wife. You can't be doing this to your wife. Like you're good. We don't care what you do. Raise your prices. Lose some clients. Like get another job. Like whatever you need to do. Like you gotta yeah. stop this because she is wow, yeah. at her wits end. Um, within three months in, and so, um, so that was when I had a decision to make. Because when you're in personal training, and especially when you're an independent contractor, there's only a couple ways you can make more money in less time. Right. Okay. Cause I'm sitting there, I'm like, wow, I'm making more money than I've ever made having right. a full schedule, you know, cause personal trainers, you know, people are, people pay seven, eight, nine hundred bucks a month. Right. Right. Um, and then obviously you get a percentage cut of that cause you're paying out to, um, whatever gym you're using. Sure. So I rented out of a couple different gyms. And so, um, you either increase your prices, you expand like your revenue streams. So it's like, did I want to start selling supplements? Do I want to start selling uh, I don't know, like an online product, like yeah. a, a done for you 10 week course online with videos right. and emails and all that text messages, all that kind of stuff. Um, or do you want to just start like doing groups, like bigger groups right. to leverage your time and that kind of thing? Or do you want to be a gym owner? Um, and so that, that was what I had to basically take a look at and say, yeah. all right, what's next? Because I can't keep this full schedule, but right. my personality is like, drive like yeah. grow like never stop moving and sure. so i decided to um go the route of online training okay yeah again not recommended <laughs> so so are so you doing I, this concurrently while training that at optimal or yes wherever? so that started the process of like i started dropping clients intentionally um squeezing down my hours a little bit while trying to invest the money i was making um into uh, how do I do this whole online training thing? Because the the obvious marketing draw of online training is, wow, you get to like have clients all over the world and right. it's super passive and like you're sending them workouts and checking in, but really you can have 500 clients and they're all paying you, you know, thousands of dollars. Right. And like, you know, it's the big, that's Too good the to big be true. draw. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But of course I ate it up because I was in a lot of pain uh, just in my marriage, right? Having yeah. a new baby, like what do I do? Um, and so... I went that route and probably from six, 2016, uh, spring of 2016. And it, and it went all the way until, um, August of 2017. Okay. And so for probably a year and a half, it was me hiring different business coaches 
investing in different launches, trying all sorts of things. At one point, I flew out to California to record a bunch of videos that I was going to do in a launch. Um, but really, all all it was chalked up to be is a lot of really expensive mistakes. So, like, yeah. I probably spent um, at least $50,000 on all of this stuff. And so I was keeping my in-person training to fund my online growth and adventures right. where I had to learn the marketing side. I had to learn the fulfillment side online. And um, that was the route I went. Um, you know, so I ended up leaving Optimal Performance uh, by the fall of seven of 16, mm-hmm. I think. And that's when I coached at Wichita Collegiate. Yeah. Um, coached some football while serving my non-compete and trying to do stuff online because I couldn't do stuff locally. So right. I was just trying to do the online stuff. Um, but then over time, like, honestly, with the online stuff and my personality is so face to face. Right. And, yeah, it is. and that's what I've learned. I've learned that, like, as much as I want to do this whole virtual coaching thing, um, like, I need that face to face interaction yeah. if I'm going to really make an impact. Because yeah. I, that was actually probably one of the reasons why I got into it is like, I started realizing I have this skill. It's to connect with people and inspire and motivate with my energy and just my own personal growth that I can share with other people what's going on. Um, And um, I wanted to leverage that. And so the online training, it just, you can only do so much through video, right? (laughs) You know, you can do zoom calls, you can do phone calls, you can send videos, you can message all day, but it's like, how do you truly create a connection relationship? Like I, I believe so strongly that that's why in this world of automation and AI and technology, um, I really believe that there will always be a market for like the best of the best human services interaction. Yeah, absolutely. Because of the emotional connection that you can create with clients. Like I just don't think that's going anywhere. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, absolutely. It's only going to be – it's it's going to go somewhere for the people who aren't very good. But like, you know, that's why you have to try to be the best is right. because – you know, that's anyway, that's a, yeah. probably another tangent, but, um, I just like, I love focusing and just being obsessed about the client experience, yeah, absolutely. which is just like the relationship side, you know? Yeah, definitely. So, um, just a couple questions and yeah, we'll kind of yeah. get into elevation, um, and oh, yeah. how you apply some of that, the, I mean, people to people and that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you made kind of these pricey mistakes, yes. but I'm sure you, I mean, you obviously learned a lot from that. So right. w- what have you kind of learned from that that you've used since then? Yeah, great question. Because I because the the pricing mistakes really was just the beginning. Because starting EP was you know was even more expensive in terms of mistakes I made. So the biggest things I've learned um, that I apply today uh, is that um, you cannot, to an extent, you cannot speed up growth. And when I say that, what I mean is. Um, I really believe in, uh, I don't know if you follow a guy, his name is Gary Vaynerchuk. Oh yeah. Gary um, V's a man. Yeah. Gary V. Right. Um, I love, I love, love, love what he talks about in terms of in the micro, you got to grind, Yep. but in the macro, you gotta be patient. Macro patience. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and I was, that's something I've struggled with so much because I wanted it, uh, in 90 days. Yeah. Like everybody right. says I should have it. Um, like all the marketing gurus say. Yep. And so, um, that's a big thing I've learned is that. Uh, so that, that's a piece. Um, Another thing that's been huge in terms of 
Like, for example, what I wish I knew when I started. Um, I haven't always been obsessed with the client experience. I haven't always been obsessed with, you know, what does it take to get somebody to truly change? Because what we're talking about when it comes to somebody, somebody who comes to see us has usually at least 40 pounds to lose. Okay, so we're not like a gym full of a bunch of super fit people, that kind of stuff. Um, But when somebody has at least 40 pounds to lose, say they have 80 pounds, 100 pounds to lose, it's not... You're not just trying to get them to lose weight. Right. They are. They, your goal is to have them change their identity. Yeah. Because we're talking about behaviors that run deep because of the way they cope with stress. Is maybe food. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about maybe it's their sleep. They've been getting four hours of sleep a night right. for years and years or decades or whatever like that. So, um, what I wish I knew was um, that okay, I wouldn't be able to figure out. Um, what truly helped people to transform their identity like that, that wouldn't happen very quick as quickly as I thought it would. Yeah. So that I needed to take my time, do the testing and I, and I've done a ton of testing just over the last few years. Um, but I wish that when starting out, I would have kind of slowed my role when it came to just let's get everybody in here because we have the solution until we had the data to back up. Yeah. Okay. This is what it takes to get somebody to stick to their journey truly change their identity and get to their goals. Right. Um, because while I was very good at helping people lose 25 to 30 pounds in a short amount of time, six weeks, eight weeks, four weeks, whatever like that. Right. Um, you know, there've been several people who have showed back up in my studio and <clears throat> let's say they started out with us at 310. They left our gym, you know, 10 weeks after starting with us because at that time we didn't know really what it took to help people truly change their identity and they had lost 40 pounds. And so they're at 310. Now they're at 270. Like this dude walked in the other day and he's, he's back up to 355. Like, you know, and so it's like, what does it truly take to get people right. to really change? It's not, yo, let's just exercise and, yeah. and work out and eat right. It's like, it's gotta be at the core of the human being. And so I wish that starting out, I would have, took more time with that, you yeah. know, and with that, cause when you think, you know, something in business, you tend to throw more money at it. Yeah. Like, because I thought I knew what it took, I threw more money at getting more clients because I was like, well, because I know what it takes. Like they're all going to stay gas right? on the fire. And, exactly. Yeah. And the gasoline that got lit blew up in my face yeah. <laughs> basically. So, well, actually, you know, and actually, if I could speak on that a little yeah, keep bit. Yeah, so, keep going. So one of, the, one of the things that I feel like has been so, that's so hard, I actually hard, I've hardly talked about this, um, but like we made some big mistakes in those first eight to 10 months that I honestly feel like, like we're just getting out on the other side of. Yeah. Um, you know, being a young business owner, going from a personal trainer where all I had to do was manage my schedule mm-hmm. to having a team location, just way different, right? right. An actual business model. Um, you know, we started out doing this thing called the six, six week challenge. Mm-hmm. You come in, you pay five, six, seven, eight hundred bucks. And you're there for four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, whatever it yeah. is that we're doing for the promotion. And if you are successful, AKA you lose weight, 20 pounds, 25 pounds, 30 pounds, um, you get that sum of money back. Yeah. Okay. So, um, people were coming in, it was really popular. Right. Like I, I had tons and tons and tons of people join and I had a lot of people be successful. Um, but what, what I learned over time was that, um, when I'm doing my marketing and when I'm getting this message out there of the promotion, 
um, like my perfect client actually isn't really all that, uh, they're not as attracted to that as I thought they would be. Like I was getting people who wanted to solve the external problem. And what I truly desire is to have a gym full of people who align with my mission to solve the internal problem. Sure. The internal problem that I hear people ask all the time, and it's taken me a long time to figure this out in terms of how to communicate with the outside world. It's easy to with my clients because I can sit down with them and I can, you know what I mean, coach mm-hmm. them every single day. And and the internal problem is is that you have a lot of moms and dads out there. You have a lot of people who are driven, disciplined, no nonsense, and yet they're super overweight or they're exhausted or yeah. they're just tired and they're strung out. They're, they're, they just feel like things are chaos. They don't really feel like themselves. Yeah. And uh, they're asking that question like, am I worth the time and effort I know it's going to take to be healthy? Sure. Because we all know at the, at the bottom of our hearts, we know it takes time, effort, attention to, to live a healthy life. Except wh- what happens? You know, Susie gets out of college, finds a job, is a working professional, gets married, things are going still okay with the working out, but mm-hmm. then the kids start coming, and you start getting the extracurriculars once they get to age five or four, it gets younger and younger every yeah. year. And like, and then all of a sudden, 10 years out, and your kids are in middle school or in high school, and you've completely neglected yourself. And so a lot of moms end up answering that question with, no, I'm not worth it, because I'd have to sacrifice my relationship with my spouse, my job and career performance, right. uh, my kids' relationship, and I and what I'm after is to like and what I wish I would have been after from the beginning. I think I had good intentions, but didn't know how to do it. Yeah, was you know how do I help people reframe that and reframe their beliefs surrounding that? Because yeah. now we see and we have the data to back it up that a healthier mom is a better mom. It sounds like common sense, and I know some people would be right. like, well, yeah, like a healthier mom is a better mom, but there are real trade offs. You know, like, and you're going to experience it to the nth degree as well. Like the kid's going to come and like, just like every other parent, like we want nothing more than to hang out with our little babies, you know, like, oh, there's nothing I want to do more than be a good dad and just a good husband and spend that time with them. But then it's like, wait a second, we got to work out at some point or else we're just going to let our bodies go. So that was a big lesson I had to learn in a really hard way because I got people in. But then in the gym world, one of the measurements we use is how many people cancel right. each month. It's called nutrition rate. Right. And so um, we probably eight months in, we had our first massive attrition rate month. And and so it was just a, a learning process of, okay, we don't actually know what it takes to keep people. And so we had to start figuring it out. Gotcha. And because I thought I knew what it took, back to the my first point, I threw money at it. Right. Which means my cost structure got bigger. And in the world of business, you know – Revenue is, let's just use some round numbers. Re- let's say revenue is $10,000. You know, cost is $8,000 a month. So you're profiting $2,000 each month. Um, as the revenue became 2x, 3x that, you know, oh, like I'll just 2x my cost because I already know what it takes. And so I'm right. just going to throw more money at it versus, you know, just if I knew what I knew back then, um, it's really not as expensive in terms of costs yeah. to care about people enough to create true relationships and to have great coaching. Right. Um, but obviously I've had to learn those expensive lessons and now yeah. I'll never forget them. Right. <laughs> so so w- how did you learn a lot of this stuff? So you, you found yeah. out, I mean, you had that yeah. big month of attrition. Yeah. So you're like, okay, yeah, we yeah. need to change something. Yeah. 
Right. What did you, you read in books, yeah. talking to mentors? Yeah. What did that look like? Yeah. I'd love to even get granular and disclose yeah, some do. of my numbers. So, sure. so the first, first and foremost was what I learned is just numbers, right? So I had to measure what truly, um, I knew something was wrong when we had 3% of our members cancel in the previous month. But then I looked around and our attendance was like really low. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I had to learn, a really hard lesson, was that attrition cancellations are a lagging indicator. And all I mean yeah. by that is um, what happens first? People stop showing up. Yeah. And then they send in the cancellation. Right. So we had super low attendance. I'm talking 1.3 VPM visits per member per week. Sure. Okay. Um, and we highly encourage three times a week by yeah. members. Um, just to even get started. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, so I wasn't even measuring that the first eight months or the first six, however many months. And so we come to October of 2018, and I had 40% of my members cancel. Okay. Wow, yeah. 40% cancellation. November comes 24%. December comes 18%. January comes 33%. So the, the biggest problem was that when you make changes, yeah. it things don't change right away because you can make changes, but the people who are not coming are still not coming. Yeah. And even if they haven't been coming for two months, if they still don't come for three months, but they're still paying you, they're going to cancel at some point. Right. Um, and so that was like a huge wake up call. You know, I think the big thing in my industry is like, well, yo, what's the what's the biggest thing that you can do to help with your attrition rate and to really keep members around? Yeah. Because the way I see it, if you stick for us, the longer we can get somebody to stick with their goal, obviously the better chance they have at getting to their goal, right. especially if they have 60 pounds to lose. It's going to take at least six months to get it off, if not nine or 12, and then to maintain it, to learn how to deal with the chaos and the ups and downs might even take longer. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, we're talking, it's been 16, 17 years since I've been obsessed with working out. Right. Like, yeah. um, and so when it comes to like what we started measuring, we first started measuring visits per member. We started measuring highly engaged members. So what percentage of our membership was coming, um, at least twice a week. Mm -hmm. Right, because there's some variation there that sometimes right. can get skewed, and so we use those two to flesh out what that looks like. That's our leading indicator of cancellations, the lag indicator being the attrition rate. So then we started doing things like uh, everything from events with the community. We start, which which we found were great, but our, our only our raving fans who are already raving fans were going right. to them. Right, right. right? right? Yeah. So that makes yeah. sense. So wasn't necessarily helping with the attrition rate. Um, the other things we started looking at was our sessions. And saying, how can we make our sessions amazing quality, better quality? Right. I mean, everything from the music got way better to the way we uh, structured the workouts to the personalization and the connections me and my coaches would make. Uh, but it was tough. Like, November, I cleaned house, um, kept one person. I, I think I had a staff of five or six. And mm -hmm. so um, we had to make the decision right then and there to that we were going to go down swinging. We didn't really know what it was going to take. Mm -hmm. Obviously, things were on the downhill. Yeah. Um, acquisition was still strong but it didn't last forever right. um like it usually does or, or like it usually it never does right, and right. so um with that being said like i changed probably a thousand things to get to where we're at and it's funny because it took a whole year for us to get down to that two percent mark because yeah. so really the gold standard is like three percent or less is amazing if you oh, can retain rate. yeah if you can yeah. retain 97 percent yeah um like you're doing amazing. Yeah. It's really hard to do because basically all that is is people moving, right? right? I mean, yeah. like you're going to have people move away. So now that we're like our six-month average right now is less than 5%. It's like 3 or 4%. Um, now that we have those numbers to back it up and we know what to do consistently, 
versus we had no clue at the beginning. Now is when I've literally only just started putting the gas back on the acquisition. Yeah. yeah. So it was like the first year we blew up to 100 members super quick. Second year it was like lose 10, gain 10. Right. Like we're, you know, and now we're still at yeah. basically right around. But um, it's just a way different environment. Wow. It's really interesting so, to hear the like data analytics yeah. background of that. That's really yeah, cool. There's that. actually, yeah, there's a lot because you're talking – Oh man, not even just the attendance, right? But we started doing things like we kept doing six week challenges, but we started doing them internally. Yeah. Because we tried everything when it came to results. So in my world, attrition has to do with experience mm -hmm. and results. Okay. How how great can we make somebody feel by the time they leave our sessions? And then two is are they losing weight? Yeah. Did they join for a year and not lose a pound? Right? Because there is a sense of like People value experience. I found they value experience way more than losing weight. Because we're talking, yeah. we're talking people who have never felt comfortable in a gym, right. ever. Yeah, they've always felt like an outsider. They've always felt like somebody's staring at them. They always feel like they're clueless. They've hated working out. Yeah, and they're coming in here like feeling like family. Like uh, Stacy King is a great example. She's gotten great results, but at the same time, she was like, "This is the first time I didn't feel like a member, and I just felt like I belonged somewhere." Right, um, and. Um, she's somebody who had uh, weight loss surgery even. And so there are a lot of complications with that. And so, um, you know, the data goes into what I was going to say was like our six week challenges. Now we have data to say what percentage of our members are highly engaged per the challenge standards. Week one, week two, week three, week yeah. four. Where do people drop off? Because what yeah. we found was when it comes to results, there's something about doing challenges that like get people results. Yeah. Like man, we set up these things where it's like we had accountability coaches and we were following up with them weekly. And yeah. like, But if you just tell somebody, hey, I'm going to follow up with you in perpetuity and we're just going to work out and eat right for the rest of your life, right. people don't like so that. It's overwhelming. It yeah. is. It's intimidating. Yeah. It's overwhelming. I mean, even for like myself, like I grew up playing sports, yeah. grew up working out, but it's like thinking on that long of a term, yeah. it's like, oh my yeah. gosh, like that's it's, a little too so much. It's so interesting because we literally found like, you know, they're paying a membership um, to be a part of the EP, be, have a VIP membership. But when we go, okay, you're going to pay an extra $80. We're going to start January 27th. We're going to end March 7th. Here are the points that you can earn weekly to win 50 bucks cash weekly prizes. At the end, we're going to give the winner best yeah. body transformation, $600 cash. Wow. Um, you know, which is basically funded by the people who join the challenge. Right. right? And people go cuckoo for it. It's amazing. Yeah. It's awesome. They losing, you know, they're losing a lot of great weight. And when I'm saying great weight, you know, um, I do have to, I do have to explain, like most people will, um, kind of poo poo. Oh, like it's not healthy to lose more than one to two pounds a week and that kind of thing. Um, but it's totally healthy to do that, especially if you're like 280, 300, right. 240, yeah, there's a lot of weight to 350. lose. 350. Right. Yeah. When there's a lot of weight to lose. Um, and so, and then, and then the other thing I'd say is, especially as somebody who used to be so against those type of challenges, seven mm. day, 21 day, 28 day, I used to be so against anything like that. <laughs> Cause I'm like, no, it's a lifestyle change. Like, yeah. no, but the, pr the problem becomes when you do that with nothing on the back end, right, it's right. kind of like, it's kind of like evangelism and conversion. Yeah. Right. When I was reading the autobiography of uh, the guy who started navigators, oh my gosh, I can't remember the guy's name, but, um, Dawson, Dawson Trotman, Dawson Trotman. So, um, he had an epiphany when he picked up a guy who was hitchhiking and he ended up converting him to Christianity, right? right? Talking about Jesus, the dude, uh, you know, prayed the prayer, was saved, that kind of thing. And then yeah. all of a sudden he realized, he was like, wait a second, I know he's from somewhere. And he had picked the same guy up 
the year before oh, wow. and had saved the guy the year before. Right, but he's back out. He's back out, you know, didn't yeah. know anything about Jesus, whatever. And so he, he all of a sudden he was just like, okay, that, that front end conversion, okay, it's weird relating it to Christianity, but like, okay, so <laughs> yeah, like yeah. you lose a certain amount of weight, say that's the conversion. Sure. But it's like if you have no back end discipleship right. to truly help somebody change someone's identity, that Christianity is the same way. Like you, you get converted, but then you're a baby Christian, man. Like yeah. you have, you know, You've changed in the sense of God has come into your heart, but there's a lot of work to be done. Like yeah. faith without works is dead. And so it's that same kind of concept where um, that's where I believe it's wrong is if you just do something like that, but you have no intention to implement some back end things yeah. um, like our craft method, um, because I think that's really where you get that identity change. Right. Right. You know? Um, can you talk about that a little bit? I think I've seen some of the stuff on Facebook. I'm okay. I, yeah, I don't know if I'm part of the group, but I see stuff that you post about. I think that. you might be. I, so I, I might remember. be part of it. But yeah, yeah. So can so, you just go into that? And did you develop that? How did that? Right, come right, about? right. That's a great question. So yeah, actually, so um, I realized the need for a proprietary method when we start. We kept seeing. So I should start with this. Yeah. Along with all the success stories we saw in our first 10 to 12 months, just seeing so many people come through our doors, we saw a lot of people succeed. We saw a lot of people fail. We saw a lot of people who succeed quit our studio. We saw a lot of people fail, stay on, and then succeed later. Right. And just like there was a lot of dynamics there. And so what I started realizing was that and I kind of knew inherently, but this whole thing that like all it takes to be fit and healthy and that kind of thing is move more and eat less is I just think such a poisonous belief. I think it's awful. I think it's. I think it's like a just do it type thing that, um, okay, just do it until you can't yeah, kind of thing. And so what, what I started looking at was what is it, our successful clients, well, you know, uh, Don Holt has lost 125 pounds. Uh, you know, the people who have lost the dozens and dozens of pounds of weight, but then learning how to keep it off during the holidays. Yeah. You know, my biggest wins, I think, are when people drop off for two weeks because life gets crazy busy, which it happens to everybody right. probably once or twice yeah, a year at absolutely. least. Uh, my biggest win is when they come back after two weeks and like, yo, I haven't been able to work out at all. And like, you know, I've tried to eat my best, but, but then they don't gain weight. So it's like times when people on the margin would gain that five pounds a year for 10 years and be 50 pounds overweight, all of a sudden they're not gaining weight and then they can come back and get right back into it and start losing it. And so I started looking at um, the psychological side of things, the spiritual side of things, the um, just, I just found that there are a lot going on more than just work out and eat right. Because so Craft is an acronym. Mm-hmm. Um, I call it our craft method. There's basically four steps, and then the T, craft T, is just total transformation, body, soul, and mind. And so, you have C, which is community. Mm-hmm. And so, one of the one of I think the most destructive things somebody can do um, in terms of their health and fitness is go out alone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of people inherently know that they know they need like an accountability buddy, or they need to grab uh, their wife or their friend or that kind of thing. But there needs to be an intentional effort to invest the five, some of your five currencies yeah. into community. And when I say five currencies, I'm talking money, time, focus, energy, and effort, okay? Mm-hmm. Just in terms of what I believe needs to be invested into whatever you're trying to grow in. Right. And so community is huge because of the psychological, that, that social ability and social motivation. Um, social motivation meaning when you get to start, when you get to know the people in your sessions and you enjoy being around them, like 
you know what? If Susie's going to be there at 5 a.m., dang it, I'm not. I'm right. not skipping on her because I know she's going to call me later in the day. And not just that, but obviously the coaches. Like, we do a lot of, like, we'll text members like, hey, I saw you late cancel. Did you, like, why'd you sleep in? <laughs> right. You know, things right. like yeah. that. Um, and so you have the social motivation part. The social ability part is huge because what we're able to do is create an online community, say, with Facebook groups. Um, yeah, Facebook groups mostly, where it's like, People get to see other people winning. Yeah, There's no question that what we do works. The question is, are you ready to put the five currencies into it in yeah. order to get it sure. to work? Because yeah. it works. You just need to work, yeah. right? And so you have the sociability to see winning. And I think seeing winning is really important to mm -hmm. keep a positive, just a positive mindset. But at the same time, you also get to see other people struggling, yeah. that you're not alone. Right. Because there's always a percentage. Like, it doesn't matter what it is, there's, a, there's always a large percentage of people struggling um in anything yeah. not just health and fitness weight loss all that kind of thing but i think it's super important because not just we're not the only ones who address it by sitting down with you face to face getting you back on track action plan that kind of thing but we're talking you know oh man like you're struggling too like i feel like i've been working so hard i worked out six times last week and uh, you know didn't lose a pound and like what are you doing and like you know it's just good to know i'm not alone like, yeah. you get a lot of that kind of interaction yeah. which is great because it's just kind of foolish to think like, no, everybody who walks in like uh, loses all the weight in one week. Like yeah. it's it's hard. It's right. hard. And so you have that part. The second part is reprogramming your mindset and your mentality. And really all that calls attention to is um, what's between your ears is much more important than any lunge you could do. Right. Squats, what you eat. Like you're, especially in today's day and age, mental health is so important. Yep. And I believe mental health is a huge, huge, huge thing um, to pay attention to when it comes to any type of life transformation. Because mm -hmm. again, you gotta remember the people coming in who do the best, uh, who feel instantly welcome in a place like mine is the people who don't like themselves. They, you can't catch them dead in a picture. They're barely even look at themselves in a the mirror. They just don't feel like they're looking at themselves anymore. Yeah. And so they're, um, coming in uh, just intimidated to even make a change. And so when you're talking about reverting your mentality, we're talking about, you know, people have these stories they tell themselves. And maybe you've heard this, but it's kind of like narrative counseling, right? Like people have stories they tell themselves. Those stories come from real valid experiences. So you can't just write them off and say like, you know, oh, well, you know, you're wrong about eating bad food. Like the stories they tell themselves come from experiences. And those yeah. ex really like those experiences then um, come from beliefs, right? And so when we get down to the nitty gritty, that's why we have the things like the identity of excellence, um, our 3L methodology, which is lose weight, launch your life, and leave an impact. Um, the identity of excellence is basically a mantra that says like, no, like I'm ready to step up and uh, be excellent and control my attitude and my effort and my energy and just different things like that because yeah. we re realize at the identity level that people are gonna need that uh, they're going to need to become a certain type of person who does things consistently yeah. in order to have the body. It's that whole, again, I, I know I'm throwing a lot of buzz phrases at you, but no, it's, like, it's like be, do, have. In order to have, you got to do certain things. In order to do certain things, though, you got to become. You got to become the type of person. So that's where it's like um, where I can relate to the most with weight loss clients is I've never really had to lose weight. Starting starting EP, I actually gained like 30, 35 pounds, so I, I did have to lose some weight there. But for the most part, I can empathize with people based on my journey as a businessman, sure. like an entrepreneur. Yeah. Like I did and still do and struggle with uh, the quick fix stuff. Yeah. 
business-wise, the yeah. same same way people struggle with that quick fix stuff, you know, uh, weight loss-wise. So that's been really interesting to navigate yeah, it as is. well. It's a I can, tendency, yeah. Yeah, I can put myself in their shoes um, and say, okay, I've been strong and fit and whatever my for almost my whole life. like, But at the same time, um, because of the way my business kind of journey has gone, right. I've been able to really empathize and put myself in that, in that mindset because I'm going through that growing journey as well. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. So, anyway. um, yeah. So just to wrap up the craft. Oh yeah. Sorry. A, sorry. I forgot. Yeah, yeah. My bad. So no, a, a is accountability. Yeah. So, um, a would be, let's be accountable in three different systems. Okay. So accountable to yourself, which I really believe in the extreme ownership, Jocko willing yep, type, type thought. Um, process and so then you have accountability in your schedule and accountability in your um, food choices yeah so like what kind of systems do you have to be accountable in those three areas um, matters a ton right in step three and then the last step four um, the, the story I always use is if you were to meet somebody who's in their 40s or 50s um, and they're fit they're healthy you know blood works good like just healthy and fit all around right um, mm-hmm. chances are they enjoy some part of working out right. or they enjoy yeah. some part of fitness. Maybe, yeah. maybe they're obsessed with rock climbing, uh, swimming, running, biking, lifting, uh, whatever yeah. that is. And so what we want to show people is that they can learn how to love what they used to hate. Um, and so obviously the way we do that is through our sessions and we create, um, what we believe, um, is the best 45 minutes that you could spend working out. Um, and so we focus a lot on that experience so mm-hmm. that people can start to experience that. I, I think that's a, rev- a review we get often is, man, I always used to just dread working out, but now I actually look forward to going and seeing my people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Really like just cool. something yeah. like that, right? It's simple, but that's a huge piece. I think step four is fitness that you can actually learn to love. Yeah. Um, because for so much of it, it's like, man, we just got to grit our teeth and do it. And yeah. I, I don't think it has to be like that. There's still days, there's weeks, yeah. there's months where it's going to be like that. But um, in large part, I believe that's why, you know, my coach Shane, myself, my wife, like people who are fit for a really, really long time is there's a part of them that really does enjoy. And they've, um, it's like that study they did. They started giving chocolate to people after they worked out. Yeah. Right. They said, okay, if you work out, I'm gonna give you chocolate. Like, heck yeah, bring, count me in. I'm gonna work out. So they worked out, eat chocolate within. And so they stuck to it better than people who didn't get chocolate. Right. Because they were able to associate the reward of chocolate with the routine of fitness. Right. Well, what they found was, which I love is they took that chocolate away from people after six months, but they kept working out Yeah. because the high that people get from working out, it just feels so good after a good workout that replaced their need for chocolate. And so they didn't need the chocolate anymore. Um, They didn't need that reward. The reward itself was the feeling that people get after they work out. And so that's what I want to help people experience because you can after the, you know, miserable first couple sessions. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, that's really cool, man. It's just cool to see, I mean, how you've developed the whole like infrastructure and everything yeah. with the, I mean, different acronyms and stuff. And it can, can sound buzzworthy, but like yeah. hearing you talk about it, like there's no hesitation. Like you, yeah. you believe this stuff yeah. and it, it clearly works. So right. that's yeah. awesome. Like eat, eat, live, eat and breathe it or whatever you say. Yeah. yeah just that's cool. Every day. Um, so I know you're really big on your faith. How, yeah. how does that tie in yeah. with you? You mentioned it a little bit with like the tea of craft, but how does your faith tie into the business? Yeah. Great question. So, um, this is actually something I'm trying to grow in is, um, 
So the faith-based part of, so I see myself ultimately as a domestic missionary. Um, and what I mean by that is I believe God has called my wife and I, our family, uh, to walk with people, whoever comes through our doors, to walk with them and love them and encourage them um, to grow. And, and in many ways, it's like I'm called to call out a version of themselves that they know they either ought to be or used to be or want to be. And uh, if they and, and to be that in the sense of let's get hungry to grow, let's get yeah. hungry to grow. And then what I've been able to do is just and I don't do this well, I wouldn't say I do this well. But my my dream and my vision and one of my themes for 2020 is to uh, talk, keep talking to God. I pray a lot, but I want to talk about him more, you know. Yeah. And so what the best situations I've found um, to do so is I get to have a lot of face to face meetings with people, yeah. a lot of heart to hearts, um, because when you are guiding people on the behaviors of fitness and nutrition, a lot of times it's not about fitness and nutrition. Maybe it's about the support system at home. Maybe it's about the stress that they have from their job. Yep. Um, literally just this morning, um, after peeling back somebody being so frustrated with some things going on with their knee and not being able to do what other people do, because one of the things we do is we give a lot of modifications for, okay, if somebody has a, a bum knee, there's just things we don't do, high impact right. stuff, right? right? Like jumping, high knee, stuff like that. Yeah, and, that makes sense. And she was so upset, and I just I thought it was weird. It wasn't really like her. But then you peel it back and you find out, like, man, she's ready to be done with her job. She's looking for another job. Right. She's so stressed out because of how awful her job is right now. And so it's like that's what you're coaching people through. And yeah. so what I've found is it's best um, faith-wise is to not just, like, project a message of, like, Jesus, Jesus. Like, Jesus, our gym is all about Jesus. Right. But, like, I want to I wanna talk to people in the sense of, like um, – getting them hooked up with like read scripture app, right? Just because I'm like yeah. talking to them about my personal growth and what I'm doing and like, Oh, like what do you have faith? Like, do you, or do you believe in yeah. God? Like having those conversations one-on-one, -on -one, like that's the really the vision for EP is to not is to weave in truth into the core tenets, into the everything we do, but at the same time, really keep it a, not, not as an evangelistic business mm -hmm. in terms of, yo, we're out here to save our members, but I'm here to love these people maybe maybe in a way that they are not getting loved outside of yeah. outside of our kind of community and that kind of right. thing. So um, I think the last thing to add on, and something my wife pointed out, which was I think really insightful of her, was it seems like these days, in some ways, businesses are expected to almost take on the role of what church has always taken on. And what I mean by that is community. Yeah, It's almost like sure. people expect a business to have a vision or a mission or a story or a community worth being a part of in order for yeah. you to, them to purchase your stuff. Right. right? Even, even someplace buying a coffee. Exactly. Yeah. It's like it's got to be like a movement. Yeah. It's like you've got to be able to attach yourself to this future-based cause. Yep. Um, I don't know if you've read any of Russell Brunson stuff, but that's like expert secrets. You have future-based cause, attractive character, um, and like vehicle right um to get you there and it's like that's super interesting to me because i'm like that what should be our third place you have your home your workplace yeah where's that third place you go voluntarily you know third place it should be church right and your community at yeah. church and just all the people you love being around because they all build you up and stuff like that that's what we are to a lot of people right like people feel supported they feel encouraged their name is being said 20 times in the matter of 45 minutes like you know it's yeah. just good to hear your name and Absolutely. you feel supported and, and loved and all that kind of stuff and no matter what you're going through i had a member 
find out she had lupus. She was going through a bitter divorce. And, you know, she's just alone. She was alone. I remember she scared the daylights out of me in our consultation sales appointment because she was just scary. She was so angry. But she has become, like, literally she hangs out with my family once a week. Like, she's become amazing. Uh, Shout out Sonia. Um, But, like... I, you know, we love her. Like yeah. it's, it's amazing to be able to experience that. Um, and then by default, you know, like, um, on the back end of hanging out with her at our house, like my wife's praying with her near her car. Like, you know what I mean? Like just yeah. the organic cool. stuff yeah. of being able to like, uh, share life with somebody. That's Cause awesome. my wife and I love doing life deeply. Um, which is probably why I don't do much other than family in my business. Cause I feel like I have so many friends within my yeah. business yeah. that it's like, um, not that I don't have time for friends, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I spend, it. yeah, yeah I should, plus being a startup, you know, deal. So yeah, understandable. Yeah. yeah that's cool. So. And you're, I mean, you're meeting people where they are. I mean, yes, you, we've, I mean, totally. Candace and I lead young life still, yeah. but that's kind of the concept with the, the kids is yeah. you meet them where they are. And that's yep. exactly what you're doing. Just in a different context. Yeah. So. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's totally, there's so many people that I would not have hung out with had they not walked through our doors. Yeah. And then, but it's almost like you grow together. Yeah. You know, as I'm growing, as they're growing, like, you know, people who are like-minded, who are on growth and like, I'm hell or high water, I'm going to grow. I'm going to change. I'm going to improve. Like those people, you just naturally end up coming closer together, which I think is super cool. Yeah, absolutely. That's cool, man. Um, So we're going to kind of shift gears a little bit. Okay, Um, yeah. I've got some just kind of random questions and then a few questions about Wichita. So um, what is something that you often recommend to people? Um, So it sounds like you like to read, but what kind of books do you recommend, podcasts, that kind of thing? Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm that I'm the weirdo who recommends that people get rid of their TV. Yeah. So like, um, and this is mostly coming from like my experience of like, you know, usually when I have conversations with people, like, what you mean you sleep in four hours a night? They're like, well, you know, watch TV until like one. I'm like, throw that thing away then. Like that's <laughs> so. So that's a funny thing I recommend when it comes to um, books. We have a library at the gym that will pass out books it's not really like a huge thing but i'll recommend books um uh you know and and other things let's see i'm i'm definitely big on podcasts you know what i found myself recommending a lot is the joe rogan podcast lately i love the joe rogan podcast, i love so. the joe there's rogan definitely it's definitely dude. hit or miss like some yes. of the guests i'm just yes. like some of his comedian friends i just have no interest right. hearing them talk right some of them are funny but yeah, I, yeah, yeah. but it's like when he has like neil degrasse tyson or like yes. um Dr. Rhonda Patrick, uh-huh. like people like that. I yeah. eat that up. I love right. that. I totally love it. And I just, I think I really like, you know, uh, I really, really like um, just how he approaches things he doesn't agree with. Yeah. I think he does a great job in a world where I don't think a lot of people do a great job. Yeah. They're either bashing it hardcore, yep. which does not make it very opening for somebody with an op- opposing belief and exactly. view to, to listen to it. Cause that's hard to listen to. Right. But at the same time, he's, pretty convicted on stuff i'm not saying i agree with him on everything but it's like that i think that's what i enjoy about it he's got a ton of viewpoints i don't agree with but yeah like you said like he is very good at he's curious yeah first and foremost and he's amazing interviewer not yeah because he's not afraid to also call people out or like say no i don't think that's not it right like you know what i mean or like stick to it kind of thing instead of go with it but yeah are there any books that have helped you on i mean in the yes, last year or two? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh, in the last year or two, something I've read several times. Um, uh, my favorite book ever is The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. Okay. Because super short, probably 10 chapters, um, but it's, like, very, very profound. It was the book 
that uh, I read that completely changed the way I viewed my relationship with Christ wow. in terms of like like to love and be in relationship with him is to follow him hard, is to pursue him hard. It wasn't like a read for twenty read scripture for twenty minutes and show up to your Bible study and then go to church. It was like a hey, if you're not experiencing this increasing love for him and this increasing love for these things in terms of community, the word, um, that type of stuff, yeah. then there's something seriously wrong. Uh, and you need to, I spent a lot of time pr- like praying, hey, God, like, I, I really want to want you more. I really right. want to want to read scripture more. I really want to, because it truly is a heart thing. Yeah. It's not a checklist. It's, it's a heart thing. So yeah. that book for sure. Um, another book I've loved that's been foundational for my own training in terms of like the exercise science side of things. Yeah. There's a book called Periodization by Tudor Bampa. Okay. And um, he's, I think he's known as the godfather of periodization. Um but that was really helpful in terms of just it's a it's a large book that just consolidates a bunch of research um yeah. and so great to read um yeah so it's not one i would necessarily recommend unless like you're in the fitness industry sure. but uh, it's been huge for my uh forming my methodologies Very and cool. things like that yeah i'll link yeah. that stuff up that's awesome and yeah. i'm gonna have to check i haven't read pursuit of god so i'll have to check that yeah. out yeah cool. yeah it's a great read um do you have a favorite failure in any aspect of your life um yeah, so um, oh, I I would love to couple, tell this story. But... I would love to tell this story because my wife <laughs> would love if I tell this story. Um, so I decided on the back end of a huge failure of a launch. This was during my online training, trying to do that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, where I that was where I flew out to California, did the videos, like had it all ready to go, and like spent probably a total of fifteen thousand dollars on the launch, right? And literally got um, in the business world like. If you can get somebody's email and phone number, that's called a lead, right? right? And I probably, for those $15,000, I probably got three or four leads total. No sales, anything like that, right? Mm -hmm. So huge failure. On the back end of that, I decide to hire a business coach to help me with the online training. Mm -hmm. The problem was it was $8,000, and I didn't tell my wife. Ah, I did That'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) That'll do it. So the story is... (laughs) Fast forward, of course, I don't know why I didn't think she would find this out. So foolish of me. Please, nobody else out there ever do this because it was absolutely (laughs) awful. It was terrible. To make it worse, she found out when I was in San Diego at a bachelor's party. Ah. So there's another another check mark not to do is don't go to a bachelor party in San Diego without your wife when you haven't taken a vacation in a while and you get invited by your buddy. Like, don't go. Don't do that. So... She, she finds out she calls me and is just basically like ends the conversation like this. She says, I'm just, I'm just going to duck right now. And I was like, what do you mean duck? What are you talking about? Cause I'm like literally on a run at six 30 in the morning with my phone, but I'm on the beach in San Diego. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like you, you know? And she was like, cause the Holy Spirit's about to hit you with a two by four. And I was like, whatever. And she hangs up. She's super mad. Obviously she should be. I was like, oh, man, this is going to be bad. Well, I'm here in San Diego, so I keep going for my run. And literally, less than 10 minutes later, I decide to run underneath the boardwalk, okay? So I have my hat on, got my headphones on, and I'm running, obviously trying to blow off some steam or something. And I don't know if I didn't see it. I don't know what, but I smashed my face into one of the pier boards. And I wake up, I wake up, there's blood everywhere, all over me. I still have the picture, but blood all over me. They called the ambulance, like, 
I basically, at that point in time, during my young entrepreneur career, I didn't have health insurance. Again, not very smart. And so I was like, no, 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 I'm not going with you. You can't make my, me go. No, I'm, I'm like, I'm not going with you. One of the buddies, one of my buddies at the back at the place uh, is in med school. So like, he'll take care of me. So I say no. Anyway, it's like a $500 urgent care visit. I broke my nose. Um, <laughs> luckily, didn't have to have surgery. Um, but literally, the Holy Spirit has smashed me in the face with a big old wooden board. And like that, I love that story because I was so wrong and his correction and discipline, like he's so faithful to do that. I just like I had no idea That's it would incredible. be. An, I heard that is story. that not crazy? Like it story. literally was less than ten minutes later, like that that happened. And so I would call that my biggest failure because think about it this way, right? Then I had to travel home, uh, face completely swollen, on drugs, and then I get home and it's not even like oh you poor baby. It's like wow you got what you deserved, didn't you? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. And it, but but like you know. You don't repair that overnight. Right. And so that yes. was a huge turning point for me and my wife because she realized um, just how much, in a way, I was consumed by the status of being able to grow online and yeah. have my own business. Sure. And it can really consume you. Yeah. You probably know this as well. Yeah. It's so easy for it to consume you. And so um, she really became a warrior for me. Prayer, you know, making sure I was connected with mentors. Like, because she obviously, it hurt her to see me. Um, in that place right. because it, it's a destructive place. Uh, like emotionally, obviously if I'm making decisions like that, like literally our net worth at that time was, you know, like, gosh, it probably drained everything, but five grand in our entire bank accounts, everything we had. And here I was paying eight grand to some, you know, dude who anyway, it didn't go very well at all, yeah. but it was a huge turning point in our relationship where honestly, since then it's been a, it's been a really sweet season since about mid 2017 things have been amazing in our marriage but yeah. that was definitely a couple of months there where it was Rough, yeah yeah, yeah. So i would call that my biggest failure yeah that's a good story though <laughs> yeah right that's that that good uh what is your definition of success definition so i was i saw that question i was i was thinking about it that's a and tough one i so. love that well i love the john wooden i love the john wooden it's um it's a peace of mind of knowing you did your best to become the best that you're capable of becoming Okay. So it's basically you knowing, Hey, like I'm going to do my best every single day to become the best that I'm capable of. Um, but then I was thinking again, like as I've gone through the last couple of years, especially as an entrepreneur, um, because I'm definitely in a place where when I started as an entrepreneur, I didn't want to work for anybody. Right. Right. There's no such thing though as never having a boss. Now, I just have a hundred bosses and they're all, all right. my clients. Right. Okay. So now my clients are my bosses, but <clears throat> I'm definitely in a place now where, um, I'd be okay. I, I know I could be successful and like work for somebody. Right. Like I know I could go back and get a job if it meant I could be the dad, the disciple and the husband that I wanted to be. Sure. Because, um, to me, like, I don't believe my, I don't believe God's going to call me to be or do something that's going to take me away from my kids. That's going to uh, take me away from my wife. That's not what I believe. I believe I was called to steward those relationships. And what I mean by that is like, you know, work a hundred hour weeks and never see them yeah. for years on end, that kind of thing. Um, but that being said, uh, to go back to your definition of success, kind of what I've been thinking a lot about is like, okay, so you just start by hoping, um, mm -hmm. right? You just hope, 
as Steve Harvey puts it, you're just hoping that something pops off. You're just hoping, and then you got to put some faith on it. You got to take some actions that display you're living that life of faith. So hope, and then you have faith, and then you grind because faith without works is dead. And you just grind, 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 and then um, you repeat. Hope, faith, grind, repeat. Like to me, that is success because my hope is in Christ and only Christ. My hope can't be in the way my wife is feeling today or tomorrow. Because yeah. especially as you've experienced, yeah. well, my wife's pregnant right now. And so there are sometimes those emotions where if I'm controlled by her emotions, if she's having a bad day, that means I'm having a bad day. Right. And so I don't want to be controlled by my wife, by my business, because if business is a bad day, I don't want to come home and be a bad day. My kids don't care about my business as much as they care about a happy dad coming in and putting them right. in bed. Um, and so uh, but you, I, I just so believe in starting your day with gratitude and hope and submission to Christ in terms of just, man, you are hoping and believing in a good day. And then you got faith that things are going to be mm-hmm. great that day and, um, and that, and you're going to experience God. Um, but then you just work. I mean, like days that I'm sure you experience like doing this stuff, yeah. you know, my days because in the fitness industry, I'm three thirty wake up work until, you know, 11 or 12, be home for a couple hours and then work again till uh, seven or eight. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, I just, I honestly don't even count the amount of hours I work, partly because, like, I really like what I do. Yeah. And so as long as I have energy, I'm not sure. blasted out because um, that's not how every day is because, um, you know, people don't want to work out on Friday afternoons. And so, you know, we don't have sessions on Friday afternoons. So I can get off a little early. Same thing right. with Saturdays. Yeah. So, that's nice. Um, but anyway, that's what I would say success is, is the hope, faith, grind, repeat. That's cool. what I would say. That's awesome. Is there a life motto that you live by or what's some of the best advice that you've received? What's the best advice? Um, I something regarding prayer, like in terms of advice, um, I think so. Like, I mean, the things I think of, I, I heard Denzel Washington say one time, "I hope you put your shoes way under the bed, so in order to get them in the morning, you got to get get on your knees first, mm, right? Yeah. Um, and and spend time in prayer. I love just the phrase knees before feet kind of yeah. thing." Um, I, prayer has been so instrumental in my own life and my own struggles with depression, discouragement, and just uncertainty. Because right. obviously from the time I was at Coke, um, and yeah, we're about to come up on our second year at EP, but like, gosh, these four years, there's been so much uncertainty. Right. There's, there still is, right? I mean, even today, like, you know, it's so funny. I would have, a couple of years ago, I would have killed to be in the spot that I'm in now. And yet, right? All I can think about is that by the end of 2021, the chances of an economic downturn is super high. And so I'm trying to recession proof my business. You know what I mean? And so, so then there's, and so prayer has been the biggest thing, prayer and mentors. So like, um, maybe to sum that up is like, talk to God and how does God talk to us? He talks to us through prayer. He talks to us through his word and he talks to us through people. Mm -hmm. And so I think one thing so many people are missing out on is not just the prayer thing, but it's mentors. Yeah. It's people um, we even did it as a part of our challenge last week, and I got to find out just how many of my men- how many of my members had mentors. There's yeah. a lot of people out there, and these are these are even like the two percent of people who actively pay a lot of money to have me as their coach, but they don't have any mentors. There's sure. so many people who don't take advantage of people who are where you want to be at. Yeah, which is I guess how I would describe mentors. Yeah. I mean, that's a great way to put it. So For yeah, sure. so talk to God in those three ways. That would be the biggest key in terms of just. That's allowed us to grow the way Absolutely. we have. Love yeah. that. Is there a habit or what is a habit that you've developed over the past few years that's most improved your life? 
Yeah, so, um, and and this comes from probably not just me, but uh, from watching my clients and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, people who are hungry to grow, mm-hmm. so hunger. Um, that's, like the, that's like the second part. I was listening to this thing about Dwayne The Rock Johnson and how he said, really, there's two things that drive him, gratitude, but the second thing is hunger and how he's always hungry to grow. Right. And um, I think my hunger to grow because there's a tension right there's there's contentment in terms of not always wanting you know not feeling like you're always wanting but um because there's a huge self-love thing right like the self-love movement of like love yourself for the way way you are and all that kind of stuff but i'm here on the other side screaming like hey it's okay to not want to be the same person today as you were yesterday right it's okay to not want to be the same person tomorrow that you were today and so like my hunger to grow um, and it's not even just fitness, but it's business, it's personal, it's emotional, it's psychological, it's mental, it's spiritual, it's I have a hunger to grow and improve yeah. and get better in really every area of my life that means something to me. And so, um, and that's what I see with clients too. It's like, if you can develop the, what's it, that intrinsic motivation, it's just the hunger to get better and basically quit tolerating mediocrity. That's been the... Um, number one thing I'd say that has helped me the most. Yeah. Um, just, yeah. So, yeah, like that, the quit, quit tolerating mediocrity. I think yeah. that speaks yeah. loud to today's society. So. Absolutely. I think people just want to um, take where they're at and just be like, oh, this is how life is going to be. It's not and, that bad. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, I don't think that sets you up for very good success because what I see a lot, again, I'm talking about, I, I talk with a lot of people who come in. And they start out with, well, you know, this is fine. This is what being a mom is about. This is what being a dad is about. I just got to put my, you know, put myself on the back burner yeah. because I love my kids so much. But then they come in 10, 12, 15 years in, and it's almost like an epiphany. But they realize, wow, I don't like myself. I'm exhausted. Like, is this really what it's all about? Right. Like, and they don't have a personhood because they've neglected themselves for so long they serve everybody else except for themselves and and it goes back to another tension i talk about with my clients is um there's this phrase that says you know real leaders eat last right because you sacrifice for the people you lead well there's another belief that you have to hold intention it's called the king eats first have you ever heard that i have yeah so the king eats first says if you don't take care of yourself everybody else gonna die sure like uh i believe as a leader of my house like my sole focus should be me growing, me staying faithful, me being a great husband, me being a great dad, me being a great businessman. Because if I'm not taking care of myself, then all these other areas of my yeah. life are going to crumble. Um, and yet at the same time, obviously you hold that intention because like, again, true leaders eat last. Right. I'm going to sacrifice and, you know, but um, yeah, there is a thought process behind when the oxygen mask comes down, you got to put yours on first right? Yeah. before you help the kids out. Good analogy. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, so just a few questions about Wichita. What's yeah. your favorite part of Wichita? Are there any hidden gems that you like about Wichita? Yeah, so um, I'd say, let's see, my favorite spot is probably along the river downtown. Yeah. Um, my wife and I love grabbing those scooters yeah, yeah. Uh, with the app uh-huh. and, and just buzzing along down there. I love that. The um, 
you know, whether it's a statue or just being able to go along the river, we're definitely water people. We're outdoor people, yeah. and and we love that. So I don't know if that's a hidden gem, but I oh, yeah. definitely recommend people check that out. Uh, the other thing we do a lot of with little kids is parks. Yeah, and so we love the Eastboro Park. Yeah, love we Eastboro love. Park. Um, there's actually a park connected to the Lutheran Church on 13th. Okay. That yeah. is completely open to the public, but yeah. people just don't know it. Like yeah. you're allowed to go in there and play. It's a great play place for the kids. Um, and that kind of thing. Um, and then we, we do find ourselves at the nature center quite a bit. Yeah. Like we love seeing the turtles, the Very fish cool. and walk along there. Our boys love that. So. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely cool. those spots. Yeah. Um, is there anything you wish Wichita had that it doesn't, or what would you improve about Wichita? So, so we got to go last year, the first time ever to the gathering place mm-hmm. in Tulsa. Have you ever been there? I haven't. No, I've okay. heard about it. Somebody yeah. was just telling me about it a couple weeks oh, ago. Oh my goodness. Well, you know, with you having a little one. You'll definitely be able to go down there. Yeah. Three or two or three or four or whatever. But um, it's incredible. It is the coolest, like, uh, family welcoming kind of place I've ever been to. It's completely free, but it's the coolest, whether it's playgrounds or it's hard to explain. But it's. Um, I was really inspired by being downtown. This was even just a couple months ago. But, like, some of the vision that some of the vision that they have right now for what they're going to do. Yeah. Potentially with where century two used to be or like all of that yeah. along there. Right. Jack and I were so excited. We were, we were yeah. loving that because as somebody who's like, I'm sitting here and I'm just like, I grew up whitewater rafting, you know, snow skiing. Right. Like, I'm like, man, am I going to have to like take up hunting? Like I want to be outdoors more. And like, right. we got, we, we definitely love table rock and things like that. But it's like, um, I love the idea that they're going to build something like that That's really uh, cool. down there. I just like, I would be so excited and so 110% behind that project. Um, that I cannot wait. So I wish that we had something like that for sure. Yeah, I need to look that um, up because I somebody's telling me about it, but I haven't yeah. actually seen it or anything. So I yeah. need to look that up. Well, and I think from what I understand, I know a guy who's I think started to work on some of the video production that they're like. So they're I think they're still really we've learned about it because there's some billboards in the Century Two kind of grass area. Mm-hmm. So we got to read all of that because they're taking inspiration from places like Tulsa, from right. places like Charleston, like yeah. just around the country that are just like amazing that they think that we could create something like that in Wichita, which I think would be huge. I think it'd be awesome. It'd be really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, So last question, what does Wichita mean to you? Wichita, what does Wichita mean to me? Um, Wichita means opportunity to me. Um, Coming here, obviously, with an opportunity to work at Coke Supply and Training, which I'm forever grateful for. Uh, Having the opportunity to be married to the woman of my dreams, um, you know, from WSU, she graduated from WSU, but just uh, finding a woman far beyond what I could ever imagine. Um, the opportunity to start a business in a place that I believe is super entrepreneurially friendly mm-hmm. in the sense of, look, cost of living are not outrageous. Right. Um, you can take a risk and still find work. Like I think there's for, for able bodies, for hard workers, there's tons of opportunities for to, to find work while you start your business, yeah. while you work on your business. I think it's a great place for that. And, and for me, I think it's a fantastic opportunity to raise my family here. Yeah. So we want to have a lot of kids, like um, whether adopted or continuing to have more kids, you know, uh, Lord willing, we'll have this fourth kid. And um, I think it's a great place to raise our family, but then also kind of be a hub for, you know, I have dreams to travel and bring my kids too. Yeah. And so to be able to travel out of Wichita, especially with um, everything they're doing with the airport yeah. and how much better that's getting and um, everything like that, I just, that's the word I think of opportunity for sure. Awesome. Yeah. 
Cody, appreciate it, man. Uh, where can people find you? Elevation Performance, Facebook? What do you? Yeah, great, great question. So if you look up Elevation Performance on Facebook, that's probably the best way um, to get a hold of us, and you can message us there. Um, you can also uh, find me, Cody Weber, on Facebook. Um, we do have a website. It is www.epathlete.com. Perfect. Um, and I'll so, link those up. So. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, EP Elevation Performance Athlete. So. Um, you can, anybody can check that out or follow us there. Um, and then I have a free Facebook group, um, that you can find more at if you, uh, link up with the elevation performance. It's just for locals yeah. who maybe just want to learn more about like how we do things or what we do or what we believe, um, and want to be involved there. So, awesome. Yeah. Well, man, I appreciate it. This is yeah. fun. Heck yeah, dude. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks for having me. That was fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wichita Live Podcast. If you enjoyed, please share it with a friend and leave a review on whatever podcast platform you use. I'm putting all of the podcasts on YouTube now as well, and we'll start doing video podcasts for some episodes in the future. So go to Wichita Life Podcast on YouTube and subscribe today. If you want to support the podcast, head over to our Patreon page. Thanks for listening.